0: Hey guys, how's it going? Guys and gals, I guess I should say. Um I just wanted to give a little intro to this week's episode. I'm sitting down to talk to Brian from Twisted Path, which is downtown Milwaukee. Um craft brewer or craft distiller at at its finest. Small location. Small just small setup. Really nice and sophisticated setup, but small. Um, and the one reason I wanted to do an intro this week is mainly because after the podcast was recorded, I was lucky enough for Brian to let me taste, uh, his two releases he had the week prior. And I wanted to, I thought it would be a disservice to both him, uh, the podcast listeners, um, and just in general to not talk about the two releases that I had two of them. They're both rise. One was, I guess technically they're both bottled and bonded. Well, one's bottled and bonded because it was proofed down. He had two barrels. He did part of it bottled and bonded. The other part as cast strength. Each release, each barrel was aged next to each other. Same mash, Bill Rye. Same barrel, same everything. He does use smaller barrels and... Aged for four years. Um, and one came out at 113 proof, I think. And the other one was like 130, which is amazing. We just, it would be really nice to sit down with Brian and just geek out on an episode about different things about distilling because he seemed, he, his eyes just light up whenever you talked about anything that had anything to do with the art of distilling spirits. Um, so that was one thing that I wanted to talk about. And then the whiskey, I mean, one was called Barrel 8 and one was Barrel 9. I don't know if that was the actual barrel numbers that he put in or just what he put out there is what they were. So for Barrel 8, I had the uh, Bottle and Bonded and the Barrel Proof. And for my money, I thought the Bottle and Bonded was actually the better of the two. And it wasn't a huge offshoot and, t- and proof for that one, I think you brought it down to 100 proof from 112 or 114. I can't remember exactly what cast strength was, but not crazy different. But the flavor was different. The cast strength was sort of muted, didn't have a whole lot of nose to it. I mean, it was good for a four year whiskey. It was definitely good. It just, it was nothing unique about it, really. Nothing really stood out to me about it. But the bottle and bonded was really. it. Adding that water to it actually made the nose better, made the palate better. It was amazing to me because normally I'm cast strength all the way. But in this case, I would have preferred to have the bottle and bonded if I was buying bottles. But I didn't get to try the bottle and bonded of the Barrel 9. But the cast strength I had of Barrel 9 was definitely the winner of those three that I had that day. I mean, it was high proof, just really, really tasty. Really, I didn't put any notes, so... And I don't have any tasting notes of flavor profiles, but it was a really good drinking whiskey at a four-year-old coming out of a distillery that small. is It's really just a testament to how, how much Brian knows what he's doing. I even called him a master distiller at one point. He said, no, I don't know about that. For me, anybody that puts out a four-year-old whiskey that good, you can call yourself a master distiller. Anybody that puts out any whiskey they make themselves... I consider a, a master distiller. So if you ever have an opportunity to go down to twisted path, they do tours on Saturdays. Um, I would, and he said, he said he does a tour. So that's probably amazing. He's got a really cool backstory. Uh, you'll hear in the podcast. So enjoy this week's episode. And if you have any questions about twisted path, you can contact me or visit their webpage. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews if you can or want to, and uh, jump on the Facebook page and throw some comments at me. I had a couple, I had a uh, good post about what whiskey you would have for the rest of your life or something. I posted on Saturday, got some good uh, rapport on that. So just feel free to post on the page, man. Let's get something going. All right. Enjoy the episode. welcome to the bourbon boys i'm joined this week by brian from twisted path what's going on brian
1: uh nice to meet you yeah i'm glad to be here thanks for coming
0: (laughs) we could be a little more comfortable since this is the second time we've done it Uh, (laughs) the 14th time that i've uh, not hit record when i've started a podcast so just add that to the list so going back over the questions again what was the first whiskey you ever had and I I, I pondered it a
1: lot last time, uh, but I think it was probably something along the lines of maker's mark. Uh just something pretty every day, and that's because I didn't really know I had whis- I like whiskey yet, and it wasn't like I was sitting in a whiskey tasting club. It was uh it was just people at a party or something like that and drinking it and realizing like this is growing on me, you know.
0: <laughs> Although Brian did have a more interesting story about stealing whiskey from somebody and drinking in a basement the first
1: okay, time. yeah, yeah. That was uh yeah, don't tell my well, my parents aren't gonna listen to this. The uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I was like pondering. Like, I think there was some whiskey. It was something in somebody's basement in in high school, and I didn't like it at the time. Uh, oh, I remember seeing something on a bottle that said "age 12, or "this whiskey is twelve years old" or something like that on a bottle. And even at the time, being like, "How does it know this bottle's been sitting in a basement for years?" Like, and I didn't realize at the time that meant how long so it was, was in the probably barrel. Some,
0: probably some pretty good stuff. It was probably that, that some. Point. There was a pissed off dad somewhere. Yeah. yeah. That's probably worth $2,000 now if you still had that bottle.
1: Right. No, no. I think that uh, that mostly got vomited on a driveway, I think. That yeah. sounds appropriate.
0: Yep. So next question I always ask, what's the most... Uh, I guess we found out the first time the most enjoyable drink you ever had was...
1: Oh, uh, the most, like, impact a cocktail ever had on me or a drink ever had on me was probably when one of my bartenders uh, made a barrel-rested gin old-fashioned for me with Mm -hmm. my barrel-rested gin. He handed it to me, and I didn't know what it was. He just said, hey, taste this. And I was walking from one thing to another, all busy. And I tasted it, and I just had to sit down. I was like, what the hell is this? My barrel roasted gin's already pretty weird. And then he did like, he had done this like very floral honey syrup, and then he'd made orange sage bitters. Mm. And it was just this like crazy ass thing where you had to sip it 10 times trying to figure out what the heck's going on in it. Uh, That that was fun. Um, I was
0: actually going to ask you what was in it, and then I think you just gave it all away. Yeah, that was it.
1: That was it. That's very
0: interesting. Yeah, that's not your traditional old fashioned. No, no,
1: no. Yeah, no. It was a, a riff, I should call it. Okay. Yeah
0: and in uh, the most interesting whiskey or most impactful i guess we decided on uh the first time around was
1: yeah the 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 most i enjoyed have ever enjoyed a sip of whiskey and this is not because i'm saying it's the best whiskey in the mm-hmm. world by any stretch i'm saying it's a very subjective you know when did i enjoy sipping a whiskey the most um and that was this last saturday during my first whiskey release And it was sipping my whiskey, but I think a whole big part of it was, I mean, I love my whiskey and Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it. I sipped it last night too, enjoyed that too. But the fact that it was that day and it was going well and it was like finally releasing it to the world after waiting for four plus years, you know, it was was the moment as much as it was the whiskey. It
0: was like sending your kid off to kindergarten.
1: Right. Yeah, (laughs) kind of. (laughs) That's mostly just relief.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So more about, uh, A little bit more about your background. What were you doing before you started the distillery? What made you decide to start this distillery?
1: Uh, well, so this is my third career. Uh, okay. My first career was with the Central Intelligence Agency. Um, I was uh, an intelligence officer first, uh, working counterterrorism on the Bin Laden team in the early 2000s. And then uh, playing Where's Waldo in Afghanistan. <laughs> and then... Uh, not that fun though. Um hot. <laughs> well, <laughs> lots of things. Um and then uh and then I was a counterintelligence operations officer after that. Um so I switched from analyst side to the operations side. But then uh so I did that for a few years and then uh, I went on leave from the agency to go to law school in Madison. Um met my wife there, decided to quit the agency, moved to Milwaukee, became a lawyer here. Uh so I was a DA here in town criminal prosecutor for the state. Um and then I went to a law firm and uh, it was the law firm that really broke me of the lawyering <laughs> habit uh, and got me more into the drinking. Uh, basically, my wife and I decided to chase the dream. Yeah. Um, so this was it. This, uh, you know, I'd been distilling, you know, don't tell anybody uh, at home. Um, I don't think anybody's going to prosecute me based on that. Uh, so I was, I was home distilling and, uh, and loving it. And uh, we decided to just go for it, chase the dream of doing something that we love for a living and uh be your own bosses and uh so we just said "F it let's go for it
0: so is your wife into spirits as well obviously
1: not as much uh and uh i was about to say ironically but it's more atlantis more said ironic in so that more
0: or less you wanted Judas to get out of being a she, lawyer she yes she <laughs> wanted me
1: to not be a lawyer because she could see i was miserable her favorite booze is tequila oh, well. and you know as you know we can't make tequila so we wouldn't be able to call it tequila so Uh, It's like the one booze or one of the boozes that we're never going to really make Mm. is the one she's into. So that kind of (laughs) sucks.
0: Which one does she like of your all's?
1: Uh, I mean, she likes the dark rum. Um, Oh, you know what? Actually, her favorite cocktail now is uh, it's not out yet, but I'm coming out with a chai liqueur. I saw that behind the camera. Yeah. So I'm selling it out of the tasting room right now while I work on labels and stuff and get it ready for release and to distribute. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, her favorite cocktail right now is a chai sour. Mm. which is the way that chai liqueur is built with the sugar content and the proof where it is. Um, you can just mix it with lemon juice and shake it on ice, and it's delicious.
0: Mm. Um, and that's her favorite cocktail right now. Interesting. A chai sour. Yeah. I've had uh, – I was I tasted some of y'all's rum at uh, one of the tastings at uh, Syndex, I think. Okay. And it was really good. It was uh, the barrel-aged stuff, I believe. Yeah, okay,
1: the dark rum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it's almost like a, I would describe that as a whiskey drinker's rum. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize that rum can appeal to that. Mm-hmm. You know, not all rums do. A lot of dark rums are just caramely and sweet and not that interesting. Um, but the, you know, this is more, mine is more akin to an aged rum, where you've got that oak, that, like that barrel influence, um, and it, in that way, it appeals to whiskey drinkers too. Yeah, I
0: actually thought rum was going to be the next like thing. Oh, people to have take been, over for whiskey. And
1: people have been talking yeah. about that since at least since I started five yeah. years ago, and they're still
0: talking about it. Yeah, it, it still I just, hasn't quite transformed. I just saw yet. another article on that saying, oh, rum's the next thing. Like, yeah, well. Yeah, the, the whiskey boom still hasn't, uh, or the whiskey bubble still hasn't popped yet. So, Yeah, I don't know if it's a bubble, but yeah, the boom is continuing to boom. Yes,
1: people are still looking for whiskey.
0: So you decided to take this journey, and when did you open the distillery?
1: Uh, it's about four and a half years ago now that I that I opened. Okay. Um, and so obviously I was building it for a little while before that.
0: Mm-hmm. And when do you, when you all decided to do a distiller? You decided to produce your own liquid. Yeah. And not oh, source. Yeah. What was the main thing for that?
1: Uh, well, I mean, the main thing is that I got into this because I like making booze. Okay. i not. I didn't get into this because I'm a business guy that's mm-hmm. really into marketing mm-hmm. or anything like that. I I like making booze, and so I'm getting into the business of making booze. <laughs> Unfortunately, I also have to be in the business of trying to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's like, that's the, that's the bummer part for me. It's like, <laughs> I have to go out and sell it. The, the fun part's making it and coming out with new stuff and playing around with whiskey. Um, uh, but, um, yeah. And then the other thing is I think, you know, the authenticity gap is going to mm. catch up. I would hope I kind of have faith in people I don't know whether that's right or wrong, that over time that, you know, I mean, obviously there's sort of stuff that's authentic about it, people that are honest about it and that's yeah. fine. Right. Like hundred percent. Like, uh, but there's a lot of people that are faking it as you know. Yes. Um, and I feel like that's going to kind of catch up with people. Misrepre-
0: misrepresenting their labeling. Yeah.
1: Pretending like they made booze that they didn't make.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's becoming a movement for craft that's craft and made in house. Yep. Uh, just, just for the simple fact of something different, yeah and something somebody could come up with that could be awesome, and nobody knows because it 's a craft and it 's in the middle of nowhere, yeah, so hopefully you're onto something I guess we'll see yeah um, so you started out with what kind of equipment
1: uh so I made my first still uh oh, it's nice. uh, yeah so i I came up with my own heating system that I have a patent pending on it's actually mm. just about done uh the patent's almost back um, uh, I came up with my own heating system that allows me to do grain in distilling for American style whiskey. Mm. Uh, but with an electric jacket. Hmm. So you can do grain in, but electrics without scorching the grain. Uh, That's novel. So I designed it, and then I had a guy hand hammer the copper pot, uh, and I built, you know, got parts from other places and built the thing. Um, nice. So it's a 300-gallon pot with a four-plate column on it.
0: And that's what you use now still. So. Yeah,
1: so now I have a second one that's a more normal commercial one, an artisan still design, steam-heated. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I needed a second one, um, I couldn't find somebody to hand-hammer me another copper pot. <laughs> no, the one, that, the guy that hand-hammered that one was a, a little um, – <clears throat> I can't go back there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I got an artisan still design, 300-gallon pot, four-plate column. Um, and then that's the one I integrated my vodka column into as well for okay. making the, the clear. So meal. what's
0: your production now? What are you doing per day?
1: Uh, depends on the day. Like okay. today, zero, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm real small, you know, yeah, I mean, you. and like I said, you know, for me, the challenge to this whole thing is selling,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's getting out there and doing the marketing and everything. That's not my jam. Right. Um, and so I'm only producing to the extent I need to, to keep up with, with sales, mm-hmm. uh, which puts me at sort of, you know, making two, three batches a week kind of thing.
0: So you're only really um, putting it out at the distillery, except for the... No, I'm
1: the, distributed around Wisconsin and a yeah. little bit in the Twin Cities. So, I mean, I'm in uh, maybe 300 locations around the state. Okay. 250, 300 locations. Right. Uh Bars, restaurants, grocery stores, liquor stores. Um, but that said, it's still... I mean, I can crank out a lot of bottles out of this yeah. place. Like, one batch is 200-something, you know, in the neighborhood of 200 bottles. So, um...
0: So one yeah. barrel is pretty much in one batch.
1: Yeah, so I'm doing 30-gallon... For the whiskeys right now, okay. I've been doing 30-gallon barrels... And my 300-gallon mash batches line up pretty well with one batch fills one barrel.
0: And you just took care of my next question, which was going to be what barrels are you using?
1: Yeah, right now the ones I'm filling mostly. There's a lot of – so I'm not making a whiskey. I'm making lots of whiskeys. Okay. I'm making whiskey the way I like to drink whiskey, mm. which is uh, I like to try new things all the time. Mm. Uh, so of the, you know, 50 or so barrels I put up in the past four and a half years, which is not that many uh, – there's at least two dozen recipes and then okay. from there i can combine different barrels. i can do blends i can do barrel finishes so i'm just now and then going to have a release of whiskey and it's going to be different every time okay but all limited quantities interesting uh but so far most of them the, the vast majority are into uh 30 gallon new american white oak obviously they're all rising bourbons um uh 30 gallon barrels charred on the inside from uh barrel mill in minnesota
0: okay so what uh what mash bills have you played around with so far
1: uh, I mean, almost all. So I did play with some. So all combinations of corn, rye, and wheat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a couple with, with brown rice at the beginning uh, just for fun because uh, I had some. Yeah. Uh, but. Um, Not so good. No, it was interesting. It okay. was actually just kind of a pain in the ass to work with. And, um, and it actually ended up the, uh, the rice was crazy expensive. Okay. And then kind of people's perception when I said rice, it sounded cheap. And I was like, well, it's actually the opposite. But because yeah. it was an organic brown rice from not that far away, and that's rare. Um, so uh, it's been mostly different combinations of corn, rye, and wheat, different types of corn, different types of rye, different types of wheat, and okay. then in different proportions. Uh, that's been most of the variation among the barrels. Also, just slightly different variations in me playing around with distilling techniques, uh, fermentation temperatures, and yeasts. Interesting. Yeah.
0: I mean, you can get really geeky with that kind of stuff and yeah. talking about distillation. Yeah, I saw a twinkle in your eye when that yeah. was mentioned. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do geek out. Yeah, yeah, and
1: I'm getting more and more into it now. Well, I yeah. can imagine
0: since you got the big playset back there to play with.
1: Yeah, and now now that I'm getting this, now that you know, in my barrel room, I've got more of a spectrum of what I did before, and I know what I did, mm-hmm. and then I can taste them at various ages. I something is starting to click right around now where I think I'm starting to get it a little bit more than I did before. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I'm really, it's really starting to click like, okay, now I'm getting like, so this, like this sort of flavor in late heads when age appropriately, it ends up being this. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. You know, like I'm some of this stuff starting to click now um, that this is going to get more and more fun.
0: Nice. I saw you had a bunch of jars back here. Is that all different uh, barrels of your oils?
1: No, yeah, so those are, that's, a, that's the flavor library. So okay. that's not whiskey-related. That's all for liqueurs, bitters, cocktails, gotcha. all different other kinds of experiments. That is literally, it's in the neighborhood of 300 different spices mm. uh, in alphabetical order up there, each in a different jar infused in booze. Interesting. Or infused and then redistilled on a little glass still. All right. So all those different infusions, I can go up there and make a bitters or a liqueur or just modify a cocktail
0: like mm. on the spot. Cool. So what, what do you all produce other than whiskey? I know you've got a lot of things over there behind the bar.
1: Yeah, so of the things that are distributed, uh, like our main line, if you will, right now, it's uh, vodka, white rum, it's a very funky, agricole-style white rum, a dark rum, like as we talked about, is kind of whiskey-like, um, a gin, that's a very unusual gin, uh, and then uh, sort of a big, round, soft gin instead of a sharp, prickly gin, a barrel-aged <laughs> version of the gin, um, and then I'm about to come out with – I'm about to start distributing the chai liqueur as well. Okay. But so the – but the up through those gins, so vodka, white rum, dark rum gin, barrel-aged gin, those are the ones that are distributed right now. And then I also have the experimental series, which is stuff that's just for release out of the tasting room, at mm. least for the moment. And I hand write most of the label. Um, and so then that's all kinds of weird things, either things that are not yet – like I'm about to distribute, like the chai – uh, or things that I'm just always going to do in small batches, like roasted chipotle pink peppercorn-infused vodka. Mm. Or coffee coffee spirit I'm making fresh every, mm. every other week so that it's always fresh. Um, that kind of stuff's always going to stay experimental series in the tasting room. Um, but yeah, that's the current lineup.
0: Okay. So what... What makes your gin different? What do you think? What do you mean by – because I don't know a lot about gin. Okay, so
1: whereas like a a more traditional London Dry style, like uh, Beef Eater, Tangeray, Bombay, those kinds, that's a London Dry style gin. That's sort of characterized by a – like the the flavor profile of it is sort of sharp and prickly, Mm -hmm. led by juniper, which is Mm -hmm. the piney taste. And that's not a criticism. That's a style, right? Like I like that. I like that in lots of things, right? Uh, But that's the style. It's like this sharp spike of flavor. Uh, my gin is just very different than that it's more of a big round gin and wh- one of the things, it's not that I dialed back the juniper a lot of new Amer- they called a new American style mm-hmm. a lot of new American style gins are less sharp on juniper because they just reduce the amount of juniper that's not what I did it's actually one of the other botanicals primarily rounds out the whole thing in a very interesting way um, it's a South African red tea that rounds the whole thing out um, it just has a very different profile makes very different cocktails yeah
0: I would um, imagine that tea would mellow it out a little bit, just tea in general.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not a, yeah, it's not like a black tea or right? yeah. like a tea tea tasting. It's, it's uh it's a, technically it's not actually tea. Um, tea is one kind of plant actually, yeah. but this is a South African red tea. They call it tea, but it's not actually tea.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, uh, What do you have coming next? What's the next thing uh, you're going to have a release anytime soon?
1: Uh, Distributing the chai and uh, revising our labels a bit to put gluten free on all the front of all of them, just because I get Is everything organic? It's all certified organic. Okay. I'm going to put the organic logo on the front so that people realize that. And then I'm also going to put gluten free on the front because I've just gotten way too many calls of people that just. The consumers apparently are very confused about whether Booze has gluten in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just want to make it 100% clear and just take that off the table. Yeah. It's all gluten free. Um, and then we're just changing the design a little bit. Uh, but so the chai is going to launch, uh, in the next couple months when we change our label. Um, we're going to hopefully get distributed in Chicago pretty soon. As far as releasing a new product, uh, it's the chai. And then the next whiskey, I think is likely to be, uh, fall. Okay. Like end of summer, fall timeframe.
0: All right. would probably be the next. And you all age here in house, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what's your, your tour times? Oh, I do
1: tours on Saturdays okay. uh, at 1, 3, 5, and 7. Uh, I do all the tours myself because uh, I built this distillery, and I'm, as if it's not clear already in this interview, I'm kind of a nerd about it. <laughs> um, so I think that makes the tour qualitatively different. Yeah. You know, I geek out and get drunk with everybody on Saturday, and we all hang out and I show them around. You know, And uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so I do all the tours myself because I think it's just different than if I had somebody else do it. Yeah um just because anybody has any question i can geek out on all of it
0: okay and what's the expense for the tours i'm worth? just
1: doing seven dollars okay uh it's a tour and a tasting through all the spirits
0: okay you get all the spirits yeah the not the whiskey oh okay the whiskey's
1: gone uh, <laughs> i mean i have a little secret stash you know but I, i'm not pouring that out like i got you. every two oops every, oh, right. every tour to every person you know i that understand just be, that
0: yeah. all right um and what's your all's location here we're in Bayview,
1: the Bayview neighborhood of uh, Milwaukee, so just south of downtown at the corner of First and Beecher. Okay. Um, and we're calling it Bayview. It's, like, kind of right at the edge. It's, like, at the northwest corner of Bayview.
0: All right. And I give everybody on the, that comes on the podcast uh, the last say, if you have anything you want to tell anybody. Closing uh, statements.
1: Closing statements would be uh, drink local.
0: All right. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Brian. I really appreciate it.
1: All right. Thank you.